Welcome to Serviced Accommodation Secrets with me, Sally Kemba. This is the podcast where you get the -the on-the-ground experience that we're living and breathing with our serviced accommodation units. So you get to share our hacks and tips, our mistakes, so you can learn from those and thrive on our success. Welcome to Serviced Accommodation Secrets. Thanks for joining me. So this time it's all about different types of rent-to-SA models that you can have for service accommodation. And that's really inspired by questions I've had in the community, so in our Facebook group, and in particular from somebody who couldn't get his head around um, that if you do rent-to-SA, although it's great on the return on the money needed to invest, what happens if you don't get enough bookings? and you're in a contract to pay the owner of the property. Actually, even if you don't have a guaranteed rent model, which is what that is, so if you're agreeing to pay the rent to the landlord, the owner of the property every month, uh, actually you're still going to want those bookings to come through, obviously, whichever way you're doing it. Otherwise, you're not going to be making money for yourself or for the property owner. But I can see where he's coming from. So he's saying if you have a rental agreement where you're guaranteeing the rent to the landlord, then every single month you've got that rent roll to pay and you're committed to that. So just to start off talking about this, actually we have five units that are all guaranteed rent uh, models uh, with our freeholder and developer who we work with and that's for a couple of reasons really that was one of the main models that we based our analysis on and look to work with landlords on because it offers them a really good arrangement so it works for us because we have the properties for running our SA business and it works for them because they have guaranteed rent every month so no voids and with us, we have an agreement where small things like, you know, light bulbs, really quite small things that need to be fixed or, you know, anything that happens to the furniture that we have on a lease, we'll repair that. And everything else that's, you know, maintenance issue for the properties, the freeholders do. And they like to do that, actually, because they have quite a large portfolio of different types of apartments. And they like to maintain them all the same way. So they tend to use their own levels of, you know, their own quality and standards throughout all their properties. Not to say we wouldn't keep to that standard, but they like to know what's gone in the properties. So they really like to do the maintenance, which is really helpful for us. So our arrangement is we pay them rent, they do the maintenance and we pay all the other bills. So that's business rates. That's water, you know, all the utilities, broadband, the whole lot. And then we provide, you know, linen and all those sorts of things that we need for the guests and TV license, etc. And so we're taking on board all of those costs, but then we have the high income from the guests staying. So that's how that works for us. And there are lots of other options. So if this model does not appeal to you, and you'd rather run your rent to SA business a different way, then 
you can do several different things instead. And obviously your freeholder, landlord or property owner needs to agree to this. And there are pros and cons with all the different agreements that you can have. So we'll go through the different ones and the pros and cons of those as well. So apart from guaranteed rent, what else can you do? So the second thing that you can do is manage a property as serviced accommodation for a landlord. So somebody who's looking for a high return on their property, they already have the property. Maybe it's been a buy to let, maybe it's new and they're looking for somebody else to manage it for them. So it's hands free for them. And if you're looking for a property to run as SA and you want to operate service accommodation, then that's a perfect arrangement, isn't it? So you actually get the bookings, you get the guests in. And so then in that case, you get a percentage of turnover. Usually that's how it works. So it's a management fee, a bit like if you were a lettings agent, you charge your landlords a management fee for looking after the tenants on assured shorthold tenancies, then you're going to be looking after the guests and getting the guests booking into the property as serviced accommodation. So typically, uh, just asking people what they do tends to be 15 to 20% for that of turnover, as I mentioned. But in that case, what happens is that the landlord finances a setup of their own property ready for serviced accommodation. So whether it's an apartment or a house, whether it's going to be a whole house or separated into rooms, you'll probably want to be involved in that if they're new to it, but they may be more experienced. So they may know the kind of vision they want in their property, how they want them to look. But if it's a landlord who's not used to serviced accommodation, or maybe they're used to buy to lets, then, you know, they might need guidance from you. So you can work together on that. And it's up to you to decide on the details. So they'll need to pay their mortgage, all the services, utilities, all of those kinds of things. And you will manage the guest experience, all the bookings, the marketing, guest checking and outs, the cleaning, you know, all the linen and the laundry. And so you'll get all of the service accommodation aspect running and you'll bear the costs of running your company but you won't bear the cost of running the property itself. And so basically you receive the percentage of the turnover for your work, but the landlord would get the bulk of the income, um, you know, and the profit. So you don't have the risk. So you're not exposed in the, the large rent roll every month and you'll always get a percentage of turnover. So obviously it's in your interest to have lots of guests staying and a nice high turnover in terms of money so that you get more money and the landlord and the owner gets more money. And so you're going to work really hard then to make sure you do get the bookings and be really effective in marketing it and getting a high enough occupancy and good rates for the landlord to achieve the return on the property to make it worthwhile. But I know quite a few operators who do manage for uh, landlords and actually they give, you know, a lot of profit and uh, 
the landlords are really happy. Uh, but then, you know, you as the management company have a lower financial outlay every month. And also it can have benefits for you in terms of the VAT registration. So if your turnover is lower, you'll take longer to get to the VAT threshold as well. In this case, you know, if you're managing for a landlord, you're going to have to be really on top of your reporting, your monthly figures, and also really cultivate this relationship. So keep talking to them, maintain your communication, because it, although it might be really, really busy, um, particularly in the spring, summer, and usually autumn, it may be that unless you get Christmas bookings and corporate guests and, you know, good solid bookings, you could have some quiet weeks. And it might be that, you know, although uh, there's an abundance in the high season, that money needs to be used to tick things over in the lower season. Now, of course, you may be brilliant at managing SA and have really high occupancy, but equally, you know, it's not a predictable thing, you know, you do it as well as you can. So you need to manage the expectations of the landlord and make sure that they realise because there's so much hype about SA and people say, oh yeah, you can make literally thousands every month and never have voids and your know, occupancies and 95% and all this kind of thing. But actually you might have three weeks where you don't have anyone at all. And then if you haven't talk to the landlord about those types of scenarios and what will happen then they're going to start getting a little bit twitchy and a bit upset so you really need to work things out you know do have a cash flow forecast and a business plan and show the landlord you know um, if you've got experience all the better but it may be that you're quite new to SA and, and managing might be a good uh, way in Probably make sure you've got some guidance from somebody experienced, you know, mentoring perhaps, um, but certainly some training would be really useful. And that also would give the landlord confidence in you as well. So make sure that the landlord's going in with um, their eyes wide open to everything that they've agreed to. Make sure there are no surprises and that you have got your agreement really sewn up so you know what you're responsible for you know what the landlord's responsible for because the landlord's going to be doing maintenance and you know if there's any damages that won't be down to you but you will have to have processes in place to show what's going on and you know if something was damaged you need to make sure you've got evidence of who it was stayed so do your due diligence on your guests and everything and have a system in place so you've got photos of any missing items, any damage and so on. And probably think about having a routine maintenance program. So, you know, once a year, everything needs painting and smartening up or, you know, huge deep cleans and, and all that sort of thing so that you both know before you start what to expect. So there's nothing worse than everything brilliant in the beginning and then you get part way and you can start having arguments about who's responsible for what. So you need that all sewn up in advance. And one of the really good things about service accommodation is that there can be great advantages for the landlord, whether they're a, a larger developer or freeholder or just a single property owner. Then, you know, Section 24 is something that landlords can struggle with, with residential accommodation. But when you're running SA, it's actually a commercial use. And so that can mean that the landlord doesn't have to suffer the um, 
difficulties of Section 24. And it may also be that capital allowances will apply. So if they haven't bought the property yet, it'd be best to discuss that with them beforehand. But even so, if they have, um, there can be certain things that they can uh, claim back in tax. So that you'd have to get professional advice. And I wouldn't mention it as the first thing. But, you know, later on down the line, especially if you're doing something like taking over an old um, B&B that's maybe got a bit run down, that kind of place, it would be really valuable. Obviously, if it's been claimed before, you wouldn't be able to, but well, that's not obvious. If you don't know about it, you wouldn't know that. But there are ways of making sure that it's possible and experts to consult in regards to that. So capital allowances, surveyor, and uh, looking into that properly. So that can work for the next model as well. So let's move on to that. And the next model is the investor model. So you have somebody who wants to invest in property and they're thinking, actually, it would be great to invest in service accommodation. So buy property that's going to be really good for that because they'll get a good return on their investment. And they've heard how wonderful it is. They don't just want to buy to let. They want somewhere that can be great for SA. Probably best if it can have another exit strategy. So potentially, um, it could, if it's a larger property, it could change to an HMO later or a smaller property as a single let. So it should work as a single let regardless anyway. So let's just suppose we have a scenario of an investor who's looking for a good return in property and they really fancy the idea of SA. So you're getting to know them and you find a really great SA deal. So a great property that would be perfect for SA. And the thing that you can do is JV on this. So have a joint venture. So what you would do is decide who is responsible for paying for what. But as an example, what you can do is the investor pays for the property to be set up as service accommodation. So that might be refurbishment or it might be quite a new property. So it might simply be more the uh, interior furnishings and all that sort of thing, furniture, how you want to set it out. Depends on your target market, obviously, all of those things. Um, but then you divide the bills for the property, for the basic property and running it as service accommodation. And then you could go 50-50 on the profit you make. So you would want to be really clear on how you were dividing the bills, whether they were all completely 50-50 or not, and whether you were completely splitting running costs of service accommodation. So that would be all the management side of it that you would be fully versed in, whereas the investor wouldn't know much about that. So you'd have to educate them if they were going to have to pay towards things like your linen and, you know, all the things that the guests need. So your welcome packs, your marketing, your commission from your online travel agents, all the things that are involved in running the property as serviced accommodation. So you'd need to make a big plan, so business plan. And then once you'd agreed the different things that you were going to have and not have, so certain things you, you know, you might agree with the investor, actually, we don't need that, whatever it is. You might think 
certain things are nice to have and certain things are really important. So you could agree exactly what you were going to be setting up in the property and what you're going to have in there. And so then you could do a full cash flow forecast. So from the setup, how much it would cost to actually set up, whether you were leasing furniture and then through the first year and then up to the the fifth year or third year, however long you plan to do it initially, you would want to put in all of your numbers so that everything was accounted for and you would know before you go. So the thing with going 50 on profit, it can mean that some landlords would want to potentially um, not set the property up quite how you might like to. They might not want to pay quite so much for certain things. And you might not want to if you want to make every pound a prisoner and really make the money work for you. You might say, well, actually, we don't need to have that coffee machine. We can just have instant coffee. It's fine for our target market. So it just depends what you feel you need to offer your guests and you both need to agree on that if you are dividing bills. Now, it may be that, you know, the investor pays the mortgage and you pay the linen company and you divide things up like that, but you need to make sure it balances in that way and be really um, open and transparent about everything from the word go. So again, the investor can make, you know, a nice lot of money. But the thing about SA, it does have high overheads. So that's the same for the previous model, the management model. Obviously, there are overheads to pay. And I would make sure that any agreements you have with both the first and the second model. So whether you're managing or whether you are working with an investor, Make sure you've got a written agreement and check this through your solicitor and so that you both are absolutely clear because everything's brilliant in the beginning. You're all excited, emotional and wanting to do this. And then if something goes wrong, you really need to be able to fall back on the law and the agreement that you have in order to sort things out amicably. Um, You don't want to be wrangling over, you know, who pays for the property to be maintained or fixed or who pays the commission to the OTAs, the online travel agents. So, and you really need to cultivate the relationship with your JV investor, you know, because they might be unsure. And similarly with your landlord in the previous model, you know, you really need to build the relationship and just be really open about everything. So you may decide as well, some people decide with this second model, the investor model, is that the landlord or the investor who becomes the landlord pays the mortgage and you guarantee that as the SA operator. So you pay the amount of their mortgage. So they're paying their lender and then you pay them the amount of the mortgage, which will be less than the rent So you can do it that way if you want to divide the bills up another way. So that's another way that people work it out. And it's personal preference of what you like. I think the first model, the management model is a lot more straightforward. But uh, as long as you have everything nailed down with the investor model, it can be a really great way for you to expand your SA business and a really great way for the investor to invest in property. So really good win-win, but it's just that you can't ignore the potential downside. You can't just say, oh, everything will be fine. You really have to go through everything with a fine-tooth comb. 
So the third thing that you can do is you can be a serviced accommodation sourcer. So particularly if you've been looking for SA deals for properties, for investors, or potentially for yourself to run, you may find deals that you don't need yourself, or you may have a surplus of investors. And um, you, what you can do is either sell those deals to investors just for a finder's fee. You know, you can do that just as a one-off payment. I noticed that some sources for SA are starting to do staged payments because it will take a, a while for that amount of money to come back in from the business. But you may decide you just want to be a sourcer for SA purely. But you may also be the sourcer for somebody. And then you could also offer the fully managed service for these properties as well. And once again, you could either charge a percentage of the turnover or set up a joint venture agreement, so JV on it. And then you could, uh, you know, split profits. I do think the percentage of turnover is the simplest model, but you need to be providing a great service to the landlord and they can make really great income then. And obviously, as I said before, it's really in your interest to be providing brilliant SA for your guests, but also if you're, you've got lots of money coming in from lots of bookings, that's awesome because you, you'll have a win-win relationship, a win-win result there. So sourcing can be good just purely as your involvement in SA. And so that has, I guess, the lowest risk. And also in terms of any property and deal packaging, sourcing, that means you actually aren't involved moving forwards unless you want to offer them fully managed service as well. So that you know, really answers the question from um, one of our community who was saying, you know, how can you, you lower your risk? But of course, you do want to be doing really great due diligence on all of these aspects, because if you were an SA sourcer and you didn't do your DD and you had properties that weren't actually in a good enough area for service accommodation or um, you know, the property was flawed in some way or there was some aspect to it that meant it wasn't allowed. So you have to make sure it's actually allowed in the property, maybe a block if it's an apartment. Then you you need to make sure that uh, the local council are okay with it as well and really make sure that any leases are in place and it's not going to just be something that's not workable for the person who buys your deal. So the investor or the, it may be another operator who wants to set up rent to SA. And uh, so uh, new service accommodation operators, they don't want to end up finding out that actually they can't do it at all. Cause obviously that will damage your reputation as well as damaging their business and their business plans. So you want to be, really thorough with your research there and make sure that you know before you go, you know, make sure it's in a good area, make sure it's great for the target market. You know, if it's for contractors, is there somewhere for them to park their van? And, uh, you know, all those kind of things, is it in a railway station? 
Are there good connections for people who are working? Is there good broadband? Because we've seen a beautiful house, actually, that would be great for service accommodation. But the internet and the broadband there was so bad. It's just like, no, we just got to wait until <laughs> that whole area gets its broadband sorted. So it was a real shame. So, yeah, you really want to make sure you're offering great deals to investors, service accommodation operators, and other landlords who want to expand what they're doing. So that's number three, being a sourcer. And the fourth thing that you can do as well, and once you're a successful and an experienced service accommodation operator, and you know, you've got really good results, you've got really happy guests, you're making a good profit, you can also start training and mentoring new service accommodation operators or helping people who aren't doing so well. And so you can enable them to uh, find properties so you could source for them as well. So there would be a finder's fee involved there too, usually. Um, help them set up and get up and running with their rent to essay property as well. And it may be that they like the model of JVing with somebody. It may be that they want to purely manage, or it may be that they want to do a guaranteed rent model, but you'd be able to teach them, um, mentor them, and as I say, potentially be sourcing for them as well. Depends how you package everything. But that is one of the things that is the hardest for new operators is to find your, your first property. And I know we found that for sure. So that can be a really helpful thing that you can do for people once you're more experienced and want to start doing that. And so, you know, they can mentor one to one and all that sort of thing. So that's further down the line. But uh, the three main ones are purely managing for a percentage of the turnover, just to summarize here. The second one is the investor model, whether you uh, JV on this, go 50-50 on the profit or whatever you want to organize. Or you can purely have a loan from an investor and pay them back. And then you can, you know, do rent to SA from a guaranteed rent model. So you can kind of mix them up a bit. But certainly if you have investors who are looking for a great return on their property, then that can be a great thing to do. And so get them going with SA in their property because it keeps it in amazing condition as well. So that's another one of the huge benefits. You know, guests sometimes make a mess, sometimes they're wonderful. But as the SA manager, and if you're running the business, then each time the guest leaves, the property has to be amazing again. So it's not like on an AST when you have a tenant who stays there for six months and uh, at the end of the six months, the place is in a terrible mess and needs all fixing up and refurbing. So, you know, it's really brilliant for the landlord and the investor because they know their property is going to be really well looked after. And yeah, so you're going to have to do due diligence on your guests and we always get ID, T's and C's signed and everything like that too. So you'd want to be doing that kind of thing and really showing you've got your systems in place, your business. So third thing, you could become a service accommodation sourcer for investors and then offer a fully managed service to them. You could offer sourcing to SA operators as well. 
So essentially, you are the sourcer there, potentially offering the, the management. And then the fourth thing is once you're experienced and successful, you can do training and mentorships as well. So quite a lot of different things, as well as what we started with, which is the guaranteed rent model. And that works brilliantly for our landlords and freeholders. They're really happy with that. And uh, our relationship works really well. And it's pretty clear who's responsible for what. We have that all actually in a company-let agreement with them. So that's how we have it all pinned down. And actually, it's a really good relationship. We cultivate that pretty well. They're really nice people. We do have... Um, a few issues with things like rent rises and things like that. So think about whether you're going to agree a fixed rent for three years or two years. That's a possibility or at least have any rent rises capped. So that's an extra little tip at the end there. But Rent to SA is brilliant for the operator just to summarize that because you don't have to buy the property. So you have relatively low startup costs. So in the north of England, you might have quite small deposits, but certainly where we are in the south, to buy a property for SA here, it's going to cost quite a lot of money and the deposits are substantial for purchasing. And so the rent to SA various models are brilliant for those kinds of areas of the country. So Whichever method you choose and want to know more about, you know, it depends on your, your appetite for risk. So your attitude to risk and what you see as pros and cons and what works for your landlord and your investor. What is going to work for each of you and what do you feel happiest with? You know, you're going to have pros and cons your side and pros and cons their side, but all in all, you're all looking for a great return for them on their property and for you in your business. So good luck with that all. And if you've got questions, do post them in the Facebook pages. And so that's the group Service Accommodation Secrets group and Service Accommodation Secrets page as well. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Sharing the secrets of success.